What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Providence POV. I'm Peter DiBiase, and we got a lot to talk about. The Friars are coming off an 84-76 to victory over the Georgetown Hoyas, who were obviously led by Ed Cooley. We all know the emotions that went into Saturday's victory, the atmosphere, the pregame, the postgame, the press conference. So we have that to talk about. We're going to break that down as always. And then we'll give you guys a little bit of a preview of Providence and UConn on Wednesday night. And obviously, I'm not Joe Howie, who usually does the intro. We're going to have Joe come on in about a second, who's still recovering from the Providence-Georgetown game. I guess he uh, screamed just a little bit too much at Ed Cooley. But Joe's going to come on right now and let us know how the environment was and then hop off because he can't talk. Thanks, Peter. Um, yeah, as I'm sure you can hear by my voice, I am in rough shape. Um, I joked about it in our last episode that I wasn't going to be able to speak, but I guess it turned into a reality. That atmosphere was incredible. It was the best atmosphere that that building has probably ever had. And I was at the UConn upset last year, plenty of court storms, the Big East regular season championship. And no atmosphere tops what was in that building on Saturday. It was electric. Um, I won't make anybody suffer with this raspy, terrible voice any longer. But just know the atmosphere was awesome. Devin Carter is an All-American and should win Big East Player of the Year. And Ed Cooley is a narcissist. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> you guys are in good hands the rest of the show. Yeah, so if you guys know how what the atmosphere was just go back and listen to Joe's voice uh his screeching voice and you can see how much this victory meant to I guess everyone in Friartown all the Friars fans and just everything that went into Saturday Joe will be back later in the week as we recap the Providence UConn game and get you ready for Providence Villanova which actually I will be at next Sunday night but we have a lot to talk about right so we talked about last week, and this is going to be a shorter episode, about 20, maybe 25 minutes, just because it's me. So we won't go too crazy long here for everyone. But we talked about last week, guys, how the fact that this this game had two, I guess, significant ideas or issues around it, right? First, you had the Ed Cooley return. And I don't need to go blab on about the Ed Cooley return. If you're a Providence basketball fan and you are listening to this, you get the Ed Cooley return. You don't need me to tell you what it is. So I'm not going to go into that, into the, the that, those details. But also, you had a team coming off a massive win on the road at Seton Hall. And Joe and I talked about this last week. You didn't want to ruin what you did against Seton Hall. Because if you go home and you lose to Georgetown, who was at the time 8-11 overall and 1-7 in Big East Conference. Now they're 8-12 and 1-8 and and in the Big East Conference. If you go at home, home game, and lose to an inferior opponent who is nowhere near sniffing an NCAA tournament or even an NIT bid, if you do that, you just wasted everything that you did against Seton Hall, and then you have to look on the horizon of at UConn. And at Villanova, and I know Villanova is not playing great basketball right now, but going at Villanova on a Sunday night at Wells Fargo was not an easy trip to make. So you had 
two kind of issues surrounding the game. You had you wanted to get your revenge on Ed Cooley. You wanted to stick it to him for leaving you for leaving us and for what he did to the school and how he left and all that stuff. But you also wanted to find a way to get a victory and avoid a massive loss on the resume that would have set you back what you kind of accomplished against Seton Hall. Fires avoid that, right? They win 84 to 76. It was a little dicey, right? Like, it felt like the Fires were in control, right? Like, back and forth in the beginning of the game. It's Biggie's basketball. Their emotions were rising high. I think I think Kim English took a little while for the team to kind of settle down. You knew, and Joe knows, how hyped up that building was. You could hear it on the broadcast, even though the box kind of turned it down a little. But you could, you could tell how hyped up it was, right? I think it took a little while for the Fires to kind of get their – the rhythm, right? Then you go forward half, and you kind of go on a roll in the second half, right? And you're up 10, half, a little more than halfway through the second half. And something that has bitten this team a lot this year is going on these lulls on offense. If you guys have listened before, Joe and I have talked about this relentlessly, about how many times the Friars have gone on stretches where they just cannot score and it gets teams back in the game, or you just get blown out of the building, like Xavier, for example. But it got Georgetown back in the game. The Friars, guys, if we don't, if we want to mention this, were losing at one point in the second half. They were losing. They were down. I'm going back to the 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 play by play. They were down by three with two with two fifty seven left after Jaden Epps three pointer. They were down sixty nine to sixty six. And then an ensuing Josh Dora layup makes it a one-point game. Then a Devin Carter, after a Supreme Cook uh, turnover and a, sto- a steal by Coy Foy Jr., you had a three-pointer by Devin Carter that was your typical Devin Carter three, where, like, when he's about to shoot it, you're like, oh, my God, don't shoot it. And then when as the ball's in the air, you're just saying a prayer, and then as it goes in, you're screaming, right? Like, it's just a roller coaster of emotions from the point that he shoots into the, po- the point that the ball goes in or it doesn't go in, right? And this one went in. They go up 71-69, and they don't really look back. Uh, they get another turnover, and then they – another Devin Carter layup. And then, obviously, we some free throws, and we all know about the Devin Carter windmill at the end of the game that set the – the, the dunk, but the amp into a frenzy, right? So let's break it down a little here, right? 84-76. I thought Josh Adora was great. 22 points, six rebounds. He only had one turnover, eight for 10 from the field. And something that has completely like kind of changed in his game, and not maybe not changed, but something that has grown since the beginning of the Josh Adora era at Providence is the fact that he is starting to hit free throws, right? He's starting to become a reliable free throw shooter. And when you are a big man and when you get a lot of paint touches, you're going to get fouled, right? Like it's just the name of the game. And in order to make free throws, in order to, I guess, keep it going and succeeding where he wants to go, he needs to make free throws. He's starting to make free throws. He was six for seven. He had 10 shots, eight for 10. The one thing I have a knock on how we use Josh Adoro, and I get it, like, 20-plus shots is a lot, and we saw it in a couple games in the Big East play when he has struggled. But I think it's the fact that he sometimes needs more shots, right? Like, you know when he's on and you know when he's not on. And he struggled a little bit in the beginning of the game, but then he kind of caught fire. He goes 8 for 10 for the field, 22 points. I think he needs 15 shots, right? Like I think, I think when the offense is in their lulls, right, and the guards aren't making plays or the three-pointers are not falling, 
you need someone to go get an easy bucket. And that guy is Josh Aduro. And I, and I, it scares me sometimes and it's, it's a trend that I don't like, but the fact that when we get in these situations where we're not scoring on offense and the team is starting to crawl back or take a bigger lead against us, depending on what game it is, we don't go to our easy bucket and that's Josh Aduro. Uh, but outside of that, he was, he was spectacular. So shout out to uh, Josh Adoro. Jaden Pierre, nine points, three for seven from the field. He had three assists, four turnovers. It wasn't a great Jaden Pierre day, right? Like he was over three from three, missed a couple threes, was pretty good from the line. Something that Joe and I have talked about again and relentlessly, right? Like his scoring has been very inconsistent, uh, but it hasn't been terrible throughout the year. The turnover to assist ratio cannot be four turnovers to three assists. That just can't happen. Uh, as a point guard, the guy that's leading the offense, and I know Devin Carter's the anchor, but he's a better off ball. He's more of a combo guy, right? I think Jaden Pierre needs to have a better turnover to assist ratio, and it wasn't great, right? Like four turnovers to three assists is probably not where you want to be. But I thought I thought Jaden Pierre kind of calmed down a little. I thought he got better, but I don't think it was a t- your typical. I don't think it was his best performance. But he wasn't he wasn't awful. He just wasn't his best. Corey Floyd Jr. Five rebounds, two points, two turnovers, three steals, two assists, one for two from the field. I look the Corey Floyd Jr. numbers are never going to be stat eye popping. I guess five rebounds and three assists kind of jumps off the board a little bit to you. But the problem is he's not scoring at the moment, but he only took two shots, right? Like he took, he had a nice three down the stretch. That was a very big three. He does everything else but score, right? Like he, besides being a, uh, uh, a point guard, right? Which he's not, but he'll defend, he'll hustle, he'll go rebound, he'll guard a guy, right? Like he does all that stuff. So we might have to move past the fact that we were trying to rely on Corey Floyd Jr. to score because we really can't, but we can rely on him to do, rely on him to do other things. Obviously, it hurts with not Bryce Hopkins. You you want more out of Corey Floyd Jr. than you did with uh with Bryce uh with Bryce Hopkins in, but I think that's the name of the game at the moment. Devin Carter, Joe mentioned before, Big East Player of the Year. Uh, look, guys, savor these moments because Devin Carter won't be in a Providence College uniform next year, right? Like, I don't know if he's a first round pick. He probably will be at the moment, but he could be a second round pick, early second round pick. Devin Carter Jr.'s. And this is a lot what happens with this NFL and the NBA. Your stock hits a certain point and you, your stock can't get any higher. Like Devin Carter's stock is at an all-time high. Him coming back for another year, his stock won't get any higher. Right? Like this is the peak Devin Carter. It's a great peak. I'm not saying it's not a good peak. It's a great peak. But for him to come back another year, would I, I think would be not in his best interest. So – Savor these moments. Devin Carter, 10, he played 38 minutes out of the 40-minute possible. He played 10, 10 for 14 from the field, 2 for 5 from 3, 7 for 9 from the line. Free throw shooting was very good by the Friars. Uh, he was 7 for 9. Then 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 4 steals, only 1 turnover, and 29 points. A couple clutch threes and a couple dunks at the end. How about on he was on Sports Center top ten plays this past weekend with a Corey Floyd Jr. alley oop to him the, the basically the three quarter court alley oop he also had a reverse alley oop he also had a windmill dunk Devin Carter kind of listened to me a little bit he got into the lane a lot more and he finished around the rim he took threes when they were necessary there were a couple big there was one or two threes that I think you would like to have back and I would like to have back uh, in these type of games but sometimes you have to live with that but 
He got into the lane at any time he wanted, and he finished any time he wanted to get into the lane. This was a peak Devin Carter game, and this is the type of Devin Carter game that you need if you want to go beat a UConn, or if you want to go beat a Creighton, if you want to go beat Marquette again, right? Like, these are the performances you need. So 29 points, hats off to him. Look, ticket gains. Sneaky game, 14 points, seven rebounds, and four assists. Did have five turnovers, which I don't like. Struggled from the field, four for 10, one for six from the field. Oh, four for 10 from the field, one for six from three, excuse me. And then five for five from the free throw line, which is a huge number that we need in ticket gains. He's, like I said last week, and I think Joe said it as well, he is starting to come into his own. He's been asked to play a role that when he officially signed uh, as a member of the Providence basketball team i don't think this was the role he this was this wasn't what they envisioned for him i don't think kim english or anybody on the staff or ticket games because he's had to come and play sort of the bryce hopkins role right like he's had to play that four role four man role and in, in this type of role you play outside but you also have to bruise down low you also have to rebound and you also have to make up for not just bryce hopkins's scoring ability but his ability to defend uh, multiple positions and his ability to rebound offensively and defensively. And we did struggle rebounding. That is something that is very worrisome. And I'll get to that in a second. Something that I, that, that wasn't great from uh, Saturday afternoon's performance, but take a game just starting to come into his own. His shot wasn't falling a couple close shots, a couple in and outs. I remember one comes to mind in the corner that looked like it was halfway down and then popped out. Unfortunate. Sometimes your shot's not going to fall, but he did the little things as well. I thought Barron played well, three points, 12 minutes. Uh, Garway Duwal needs to – Garway Duwal is – he's he's kind of hitting that rookie wall at the moment, right? Like, he, he hasn't been able to figure out anything offensively, and it's been a little bit disappointing because we have seen – and Joe and I have talked about this – we have seen the flashes from Garway Duwal, right? Like we have seen when he gets into the lane, he'll finish over anybody. He's a, he's been able to hit some threes because we know he can defend at any level because he's a really good defender. His length is what helps him defend at, at a high level. And then you also have, obviously he can rebound because of his length and his height, but his offensive game is starting to come. It's starting to hit a stalemate at the moment. And I think if the Friars want to pull off a couple wins, that maybe that we don't think they're supposed to, like for example, when UConn on Wednesday, right? Like a win that we're, nobody expects us to win, or even be in the game after we saw what UConn did to Xavier on Sunday, right? Like that just blowout at home, and obviously we'll be playing at UConn. But I think Garway needs to find some sort of offensive game. Okay, so ran to the box seat. Fires win eighty four seventy to six. I thought. Look, we shot well from the field, didn't shoot well from three, right? Like, that is going to cost us in some of these games. And this is what one of the reasons what I mentioned a couple minutes ago when we went into that low on offense, when we were up 10 and you're like, we just need a couple buckets. And we didn't get those couple buckets. And Georgetown did it. And they, and they kind of crept back in the game and ended up, ended up taking the lead uh, by three with just under three minutes left in the game. Like, Georgetown had every chance to go win this basketball game, and partly because of us. And that is very frustrating. But you're shooting your five for 19 from three, right? Like, you're not having a good three-point shooting night. I thought when you went into that stalemate on offense, when you couldn't score, Josh Adoro was the guy, right? Like, he is the guy. Or Devin Carter getting downhill is the guy. This is when Garway should work because he can get downhill. It just... For some reason, we get into these walls, and I think we probably have to accept it, even though it's very frustrating. 
but three-point wise, we didn't shoot well. Okay, free throws. Free throws are starting to get better. We are starting to shoot the ball well from the line, knocking on wood. If you hear that knock by the mic, I am knocking on wood. Fires were 23 of 27. It's 27 free throws, 23 of 27, which gave them 85.2% from the line. That is something that I keep saying Joe and I, but yeah, Joe and I have talked about a million times this season on the podcast. The fact that we struggle at times. No, 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 the fact that, one, we do struggle at times when it comes to free throws, but we also have lost games. St. John's, for example. You make some free throws on the road at St. John's, you go with that basketball game, and the Friars have six wins in conference instead of five. Obviously, it could be a big difference of where we end this year, but we talked about they're going to lose and win some games at the free throw line, and they won. One of the reasons they won this on Saturday against Georgetown, 23 to, they were 23 out of 27 from the free throw line, which was 85%. One final thing, I want to look at the box score, right? Like, Georgetown had 31 rebounds. We had 29. So we were only out-rebounded by two total. Offensive rebounds to our offensive rebounds, right? This is, and there was one point Fox put up a graphic that at half, Georgetown had 10 second chance points to our zero second chance points, right? And we were at four at half. That's the reason they were in the game. You were giving them extra opportunities. And you one, you keep bad teams in games by doing that. And secondly, you keep, not even keep good teams in games, you get blown out by good teams because you do that, right? Like that's what the correlation becomes. 10 second chance points at halftime to your zero second chance points at halftime is unacceptable. You're up four at half, it should have been 10, right? Like that game feels totally different. You cannot give teams so many chances because they're eventually going to capitalize, and Georgetown did, right? Like, you, Georgetown had 13 offensive rebounds, and we had five. They had 13 offensive rebounds. That is a problem. That can't happen. And, look, that could be the Bryce Hopkins effect, and we have seen since Bryce Hopkins has been out of the lineup that the rebounding has taken a, a big dip, and it's become an issue. Seeing Hall, first half was an issue. In the second half, we cleaned it up. They also got some foul calls that they weren't getting called in the first in the first half. Whatever, right? Georgetown, you're up four and a half. You're up 37-33. Ten of their 33 points were second chance points in the first half. And you had zero. If they're going to get 10, you better also go get 10, right? Like, that's what has to happen. You can't have zero second chance points, and they have 10 second chance points. Okay. My final rant on second chance points. I'm going to move along here because I want to talk about UConn briefly. Ed Cooley. Ed Cooley's return to Friartown, right? Like, I think whatever I expected it to be when I, when I thought of this return, I think it was probably, it probably hit that level. Sounded like the crowd gave him a lot of grief, a lot of booze, a lot of, um, you know, what Cooley chance. And, Look, I'm not going to sit here and say he deserves it. I'm not going to say he's not going to deserve it. It's, I'm not going to do That's not who I am, and that's not what I'm going to do at the moment, right? But I do think it was it was nice to kind of get that win for Devin Carter, uh, for, I guess for Bryce Hopkins, right, for Corey Floyd, for Jaden Pierre, right, et cetera, right? for everyone that has vested into this program, um, Steve Knapp, the AD, all the fans, all the students, Joe and I, everyone, right? Like, it felt good. 
it was nice. And that's what you kind of needed. And look, he had a couple smirks on his uh on his face when he was walking out. And look, I get it. If you're looking at his perspective, like it's his like he's it's his home. Like he grew up there, he coached there for a long time. He built his legacy as a coach there. And obviously how he left as a coach was it was a little disgraceful. It was a little embarrassing for his point. And I want to get to some of his post-game comments, right? So he said, Cooley on the end. This is from Nick Coy, uh, former boss of mine. Nick Coy on the Cooley on the atmosphere built at the amp. If anything, I should ask Providence College for a bonus check based on the energy in here. So that's a direct quote from Nick Cooley's post-game. You guys can go on Twitter. Just type in Nick Coy. You guys will find it, right? Brief thoughts on that, right? Like, when I first saw that, when I first listened to that, I was a little taken back from it. I just don't think that's the perspective you should have when, I guess, you're addressing the media, you're addressing the fans. Like, look, before Ed Cooley, it was Keno Davis. And I remember Keno Davis when I was very young. Keno Davis was not a good coach. Providence basketball was in despair from the, from the 80s and 90s when they were very good, or the late 80s to the 90s when they were very good. Then they became... And obviously you had Rick Barnes as well, and he was great as well, 90s to 2000s, all that kind of stuff. But then you had Keno Davis, and Keno Davis was not a good head coach. Cooley brought the program back to where they are now. And I, I, I'm going to give 100% credit to Ed Cooley. He did that. He brought in the likes of Chris Dunn, LaDante Henton, Bryce Scott uh, was Keno Davis, but LaDante Henton, Kyron Cartwright, Nate Watson. You guys know the Sweet 16 team with Al Durham, with Joseph Manaya, right? Like, all that type of things. And I'm going to give credit to Ed Cooley because he deserves that credit because he built that. I just don't like those comments, right? Like, I, I just think that's a, a snarky way to put it. And it puts everything back on him. And we know he's a huge me person. And something that Kim English isn't, Kim English is a team. And I don't have the direct quote, but go watch Kim English's postgame and how he talks about uh, Friartown and how it's, more important than just the basketball program. It's more important than just him. It's it's more important than the school because it's everyone. Everyone is together. So it's a breath breath of fresh air to see uh, Kim English's take um, and Kim English's opinion. But you get Cooley, and if I'll say one more time, if anything, I should ask Providence College for a bonus check based on the energy in here. Uh, he also said, he also said, it is my hope and dream. We play four times a year, one for a Big East championship, uh, two times during the year, one for a Big East championship and one for a national championship. He also add, added on, on leaving PC, family decision to move on. Many don't have the courage to change. Okay. Before we get to the UConn, let's look at the Big East quickly. This is, we're recording on Monday night. You guys will be listening to this Tuesday morning. Currently. I'm going to do a quick count. One, two, three, four, five, six. The Friars currently sit sixth in the Big East, tied for fifth with the St. John's Red Storm. UConn's 8-1 in conference. Creighton's 7-3 in conference. Marquette's 6-3. and Seton Hall, 6-4. and And the Johnnies and the Friars are 5-4 and four in conference. Okay. Friars are 14-6 and six on the season. And Joe Wendardi's updated bracketology. The Friars are last four buys. So they got themselves... Before the Seton Hall game on the wrong side of the bubble, they got themselves back on to the right side of the ball with the win over Seton Hall and then taking care of business at home against Georgetown. Okay, this is the big one, right? Like, the Friars have – this week is massive. 
And we'll talk about more. We'll obviously recap the UConn game on on Friday, but then we'll also get ready for Villanova. And we'll see how important that game is, depending on what happens on Wednesday. The Friars, 8.30 on Wednesday, January 31st, travel to UConn to take on the Huskies, who are currently number one in the freaking country at 18-2. and two. With only losses to at St. Hall and at Kansas. This is going to be fun. Look. This is a step in this is a uh a step up in class. This is a step up in class above Creighton and Marquette, even going to those places. And we obviously beat Marquette at home, but we lost to the, at Creighton, right? This is a step up. And the Friars are gonna have to have their A game. The Friars currently sit at 48 and Ken Palm at the moment, 14 and 6 overall. Like UConn just absolutely blitzed Xavier at home. 99 to 56. And look. Xavier's 10 and 10 overall, 4 and 5 in conference. Guys, do we remember about a week or two ago that Xavier came into the amp and blew us out? And I do think we are a better team than we were a couple weeks ago with beating DePaul, with beating Seton Hall, with beating Georgetown, right? I think we are a better team. Still doesn't give me a lot of confidence heading into Wednesday night. Doesn't give me a lot of confidence. This team is loaded. Uh, Alex Caravan only had eight points. He's great. Klingon plays limited minutes, but when he's effective, he had 18 points, eight for nine from the field. Josh Aduro is going to have to slow down Klingon, and then we're, we're going to have a guard issue. They got three guards coming at you with Cam Spencer, Stephen Castle, and Tristan Newton, who was, according to Donnie Marshall, a top five right now, wouldn't award candidate, which I think is absolutely ludicrous, but that's neither here nor there because he's not even better than Bryce uh, Devin Carter. So just going to be honest with you. UConn on Wednesday night. The Friars are going to have to find a way to, I guess, limit those guys, slow down clinging. And Joe and I have used this term a handful of times. Providence is going to have to muck it up. Like, that's not a, like a scientific basketball term, for example. They are going to have to muck it up. They are going to have to make it sloppy. They are going to have to make it interesting, physical. You are going to have to keep this game in the 60s low 70s because if we get to the 80s we are not winning this basketball game this is going to be a very interesting test for the Friars to see where they are after a three-game winning streak to get right back on the right side of the bubble above 500 at Big East this week is huge because you have to find a way to split well if you go and beat UConn on Wednesday then I'm going to be you have I'm going to, like, I'm going to be disappointed if we don't beat Villanova who's reeling on Sunday night but if you lose to UConn on Wednesday, you have to go beat Villanova on Sunday because then you're right back to you were five and four in Big East, fourteen and six overall. Then you dropped to fourteen and eight and five and six in Big East play, and then you're right back on the wrong side of probably the bubble and probably the Big East uh, standings. You're on the you're towards the bottom instead of towards the top, which right now the Flyers are tied for fifth in the Big East at the moment. So we'll, we'll see what energy they can give. It's gonna be an it's gonna be a different type of a game. It's gonna be a little bit of a a wake up call. Um, we'll see. We'll see if the emotion from Saturday with the Ed Cooley return doesn't give us kind of quicksand feet on Wednesday night. And look, you're gonna be dogs. You're gonna be pretty big dogs. So we'll see what happens. But it's going to be going to be interesting it's going to be it's gonna be exciting and just what i'm just looking at this for a second but yeah it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be exciting and look 
you came up an 84-76 victory of Georgetown. But obviously we know it's more than just an eight-point victory against Georgetown. It's uh it's a victory where you were able to get revenge on a coach that was here for so long, that meant so much to the program, to the school, to the academics, to everybody that rooted for Providence College basketball, and you got revenge. So it's more than an eight-point win. Wednesday night is something where there's no emotion in it. There's no returning to anybody. There's no none of this, right? It's strictly basketball. That also could be a good thing, right? Like, I'm actually kind of happy Saturday's over just because it's it was a little bit of breath of fresh air to get the game over with so much hype building into it. Now you're 14 and six, you're five and four in Big East play, you're tied for fifth in the Big East in conference right now with St. John's. You have everything in front of you, and now we don't have to worry about the Ed Cooley stuff anymore. You can just go play basketball and Wednesday night. Motion aside is going to be a dogfight. It's going to be intense. You're like I said a minute ago, you're going to have to muck it up. We'll see what happens. But obviously, Joe and I will be back next or not next week. At the end of the week, uh Friday morning, we'll recap the Friars and Yukon, Friars and the Huskies on Wednesday night, and then we'll get you guys ready for a Sunday night clash with uh Villanova. As always, this is uh this podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. But as always, this is brought to you by House of College Hoops, House Enterprise. Make sure you guys go check all of that stuff out. Joe will be back next week. That will do it for us. You guys listened to Joe a little bit in the beginning. He let you guys know exactly how it felt to be at the AMP on Saturday. And then I gave you the outside perspective. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. And we'll see you guys Friday morning. And as always, go Friars.